The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. And welcome to The Witch Wave. I'm your host, Pam Grossman, and I am thrilled to be speaking to you from Brooklyn, New York, on this first episode ever of the podcast. So what is The Witch Wave? Well, from my perspective, creativity, art, magic, they're all in deep, delicious relationship with each other. And The Witch Wave is a place where we're going to be exploring and celebrating that idea. There will indeed sometimes be witches as guests on this show, whether they are literal practitioners of some sort of magic, or just people who identify with the archetype or the energy of the witch in their own lives. Sometimes it'll be both. For me personally, I'm a practicing pagan, and many pagans are referred to as witches. But even for those who aren't pagan or Wiccan, The figure of the witch is still such a source of inspiration and identity for so many people, and it's gaining in popularity at breakneck, break broom, speed these days. Now, we're not only going to be talking specifically about witches on the witch wave. I'll also be speaking with artists, writers, scholars, and all sorts of other visionaries who somehow incorporate magic or the concept of magic into their work. Between you and me, this is all just a complicated ruse to get RuPaul on the show to become my best, best, best friend. But I digress. Truly, though, Anyone who lives a life of magic or is doing work where they're tapping into that spiritual or mythic current will be a welcome guest. So listener, no need for you to rush out and buy a cauldron. You just have to have some curiosity about magic in general to enjoy the show. One thing to note, I do have a habit of referring to the archetype of the witch as female, And that's because throughout history, this character has been so very bound up in issues of femininity and now feminism. She is a great reflector of our collective fears and desires in regard to women and female power overall. That said, people of all genders can be witches, men included. A bit about me. I am someone who has always loved magic. I've loved it since I was a little kid and hanging out in the woods behind my house doing strange little intuitive rituals with sticks and rocks and dirt. And my favorite stories featured witches and fairies 
and mermaids and monsters. My grandma Trudy was a librarian, and I would spend hours in the West Long Branch Library at the lowest end of the Dewey Decimal System. You know the place. Somewhere between 001.9 and 135, reading books about Bigfoot and dream interpretation and Nostradamus. The idea of magic, the otherworldly, the occult, captured my imagination. I couldn't get enough. Then I got a little bit older, and I started reading books on spells and experimenting with love potions and the occasional curse, the latter of which I do not do anymore for the record. And I also started making art and writing poetry, and I discovered that the process of doing those things was its own sort of conjuring. And I learned that there were a whole host of artists who incorporated magical techniques and ideas into their own art making, from the female surrealist painters like Leonora Carrington and Remedios Varro, to the musicians I became obsessed with as a teen, like Tori Amos, Bjork, and PJ Harvey. Add a dash of Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung and Sandman comics and films like Labyrinth and The Neverending Story into the brew, and, well, you got yourself one witchy woman. Now I'm a writer, a curator, and a teacher of all sorts of magical topics, and I just can't stop. So that's me, and I'm so glad you're here with me on the witch wave to come along for the ride. Now, let's get to my first guest. Brie Luna is the founder and creative director of The Hood Witch, a website with a huge following of magically-minded people. She is an advocate for the use of traditional healing practices to address modern-day challenges, and she's equal parts spiritual guide and witchly fashionista. She and her work have been featured internationally and in major publications including Vogue, ID, and the New York Times. Brie lives in Seattle, but she was here in New York to take part in the Occult Humanities Conference at NYU, which is a biennial-ish conference that I co-organize with the artist Jesse Bransford, who is one of my dear friends and a future guest on the podcast. Brie was kind enough to stop by my Brooklyn apartment just before the conference started on Friday the 13th of October, which is just about the witchiest date imaginable, and I think a pretty great omen for the show. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Today, I am so, so thrilled to have Brie Luna with me. She is the founder and creative director of The Hood Witch, which is an absolutely glorious website slash media platform slash digital magazine. Brie, maybe you have a better word for it. Um, but essentially, it celebrates spirituality and witchcraft through this really fresh contemporary lens. And it's pretty fashionable, too, if I may say. Would you agree, Brie? I think so. 
And the catchphrase for it, or the slogan is, everyday magic for the modern mystic. So I'm so thrilled to have this modern mystic with me here today in Brooklyn. Welcome, Bree. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> so um, first of all, for, for those of the listeners who might not be familiar with you or the Hood Witch, can you talk a little bit about what your intention was for the platform or what they might hope to find uh, when they log on? So when I initially launched The Hood Witch, um, this was roughly about five years ago, I wanted to create a safe space um, where our readers could come and um, they could find information that was uh, accessible. I, I feel like there's a lot of um, misconceptions when it comes to witchcraft and spirituality, and I wanted to provide uh, reliable information uh, for people who were maybe just getting started on their path and wanted to have a place where you know they could go and I don't know. I guess, I guess it would be something more along the lines of. Um, having a safer space than being on like Instagram or Facebook or, you know, places where their family and their friends uh, may read about what it is that they're interested mm, in and doing. So if they were deviating off of their own uh, path, you know, from like their families. I mean, people who've grown up with like Christianity or, um, you know, Catholicism, all of those things. It's just like um, I wanted to have a safe space where people could buy ritual supplies and tools but I wanted to take these very abstract concepts and make them digestible and modern and interesting Mm, and you've done such a beautiful job I mean one of the first things that I've noticed about your site is the kind of visual cues or visual aesthetics that are throughout the site are really different than a lot of people might think of when they're thinking of witchcraft. I mean, I have a friend who calls the occult scene um, being subject to very quote-unquote black and silver kind of vibes. (laughs) And the Hood Witch is really not like that. Mm. Um, The photography is really fresh. The the different um, contributors you have are from all different backgrounds, um, which I want to get into in a moment. And just the, there's this real thread of like style and fashion and color. And I I guess I'm curious, was that an intentional choice that you were making and designing the site just from a visual standpoint? Absolutely. Um, One of the ways that I describe what I do is visual storytelling. So I love art. I love contemporary art. I love surrealism. I mean, I just, I love visual art and film and media and all of those things are very important to me and so when I started designing the site I I didn't want black and silver I didn't want to do all black or you know all gothy or you know just something what people would stereotypically think of witchcraft I wanted to present it in a manner where it was colorful and it was going to be symbolic and I really love symbolism I really love the idea of color having such a powerful impact on our subconscious so I think a lot of the times with the way that I design things or the stories or the pictures that I put together with the topics that I'm going to um, discuss I want people to see the visual and then um, read 
what the article is mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. And you have this amazing presence on Instagram. I think you have, is it 200,000 followers thereabouts? Yeah, <laughs> I'm almost there. there. I'm at 187 right now. But who's counting, right? Who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there, there are lots of pictures of, I believe it's your hands and your nails. You've kind of become um, notorious in the best way for your nail art and I'm curious how you got into that and why you started featuring nail art specifically on the Hoodwitch Instagram. Oh my god, I love nail art. To me, my nails have become synonymous with the Hoodwitch and it's just been so exciting to um, have my nail artist create these really, you know, like next level intricate designs on my nails like my nails today actually are based off of the movie the witches with angelica houston ah i love that movie i know it's great and the author roald dahl wrote the book yeah and it's wonderful it's one of my favorite children's books oh my god i remember the illustrations from that they're um, by quentin blake who illustrated a lot of his books and I remember seeing the the first time the witch pulls off her face and you see yes. her face and the way Quentin Blake drew it, it's like this scribbly, like the skin is so grotesque. It really, really disturbed me as a kid. I love that and I have it on my nails. So that was one of the fun, you know, parts of the nail art and design. So again, I really love visual art and to be able to have that on my body, on my nails it's just exciting and I feel that it's just been a way of um you know I I feel like nail art is very um it's it's for everyone it it doesn't matter if you're a student if you're a mom if you're whatever you can be It, it just is one of those simple luxuries that I allow myself to have and I just think that it's one of my favorite fashion statement pieces and your nails are they're they're filed to like talons the letters <laughs> they're so awesome yeah they're they're like claws so that actually leads me to wonder a lot of people when they're thinking about spirituality or religion you know there's this kind of holy transcending the material world kind of vibe that we're all allegedly at least supposed to be aiming for and some people might say okay fashion and beauty like that's so material or it's superficial how how do you make space for both fashion and beauty and magic like what what do you see the relationship i feel between the two of them yeah i mean i think that magic and beauty go hand in hand i think that art and magic and all of the you know beauty rituals in itself it's like that is self-care that is self-adornment it's self-admiration I think that it really plays a huge part in building confidence in um, decorating your body I believe that there's just so much intention that goes into uh, the ritual of adornment and you know, I can have symbols painted on my nails. I sometimes dip my fingers in henna. Um, you know, if I feel like I want to have a more protective energy or, you know, something 
like that I will adorn my body with symbols that I feel are protective to me and I just feel that there is room for beauty and fashion and adornment and magic there is no limitation where you have to be this like crunchy granola person who is holier than thou and I don't wear makeup and blah 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 it's just I think that um having that judgy approach to spirituality is really removing you from the point of it anyway I think it's just about having confidence and and feeling good about yourself and you can do that with Wearing makeup without wearing makeup is just having that choice to feel your best and look your best. And that essentially will go into the type of magic and the intention that you're creating anyway. Absolutely. And so much of the tradition of magic is about, um, like I'm thinking of fairy glamour, the idea Mm -hmm. that the word glamour came from this magic of transforming yourself and those kind of stories and mythologies. and, And then so many different... Um, rituals that span um, religious traditions where people are adorning themselves with certain jewels or certain colored makeup or certain veils or hats or whatever it is. Yes, oils and scents. Um, So there's something, it makes me think that is also kind of consciousness shifting about these tools too. Does that make sense? And I mean, I'm very intentional with the fragrances or the oils that I use, the colors that I wear, the crystals that are in my jewelry, you know, the material that I'm wearing. I think when I get dressed, I have an intention. I have an intention about the pieces that I choose to wear. Mm -hmm. And being ruled by Venus, I have to say that it's just very... It comes so natural to me where I love beauty and I love elaborate self-care rituals. <laughs> Gorgeous. I love it too. Yeah, I started going to a hairstylist who reads my tarot beforehand. Amazing. Yes, I call it my tarot haircut. And it's really incredible because I go in, her apartment's this gorgeous, like kind of Art Nouveau decorated apartment in the East Village. She reads my cards and then she, you know, we talk and we focus on what I'm working through or the questions I have. And then as she's cutting my hair, she puts like intentions and blessings and holds space for my hair and for for my whole self. And it's it like I hear myself talking about it out loud and I could see how someone might roll their eyes at that. And yet I'm telling you, it is such sacred time. Like I really um, getting my haircut used to be such a source of anxiety. I was like, oh, I'd go someplace. It was like brightly lit. They're blaring music. There'd be small talk. And this feels like this beautiful sanctuary. Of course. And I think that that's important. You have someone touching your hair. Your hair holds so much energy. I think that it is sacred in a sense, the ritual of cutting your hair and styling it and to be in an environment with a person who has that type of focus when you know prior to doing this sacred ritual or the ceremony of getting your hair cut and making you feel your best and you feel confident and also she's giving you guidance I think that that's beautiful. Yeah, and it's such an act of intimacy too, whether you're adorning your own body or someone is decorating you. Like there's that level of um, inwardness that I think, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. So I'm wondering, 
in addition to all of the beauty content that you have on the site, you have interviews, you have guides, um, you have astrology, you do a feature called the goddess of the week. So do your readers, um, are, are they often coming at witchcraft or spirituality for the first time? Are you looking to kind of um, guide new beginners or, or do you see this being accessible to everybody no matter what level or what their background is uh, in terms of their own practice? I feel that there is a level of accessibility for everyone and I you know, I've, I definitely think that with using social media as a platform, especially Instagram, there are a lot of younger, um, you know, teenagers in, um, I guess the demographic would be between like 18 to like 35, which is huge. And the majority of our readers are women or women identifying and, um, so that's really exciting and I feel that I just try to uh, give information for people who, I mean of all levels and of all backgrounds and you can come really at any approach and I think that um, if you like to delve deeper into a subject that we share on our blog, then you know you can do that. But ultimately we like to start, I, I would definitely say it was like a beginner to intermediate but all levels you know mm -hmm. because if you have some understanding of what it is that we're sharing our readers are very interactive so they leave comments like that if you post something that is like you know controversial or if it's like a really hot subject our readers definitely will chime in and they'll share links and they share all kinds of information it's really cool it's definitely like a big uh, community and that's something that I've really loved about this, um, I'll call it a witchcraft renaissance for lack of a better term right yeah. now, but you know, this idea of um, these communities being built, whether they're kind of online or they're in person or moon circles or workshops or whatever it is, this idea of exchanging um, thoughts and really connecting to you know, not necessarily like-minded in that everyone's the same, but kindred spirits at least, people who share the same values or, or are asking similar questions about yes. their place in the world. So we have on our site, I, it's a private community and it's free and it was uh, called Abracadabra. Right now it's undergoing maintenance, but we're going to have it back up. Good. I year. saw that and I was like, what's behind the curtain? Yeah, so what's I, happening in there? <laughs> so Abracadabra, I started that community um, as a way, again, to allow people to have this secret, private little space where they can, you know, go on the internet and meet other people who are like them and are even not like them and from all practices, from all levels and they're in it and they talk about magic they talk about rituals i mean there's just stuff in there where i'm like what wait what like what are you <laughs> what's going on in here so um it, it was very fun i mean we have over i want to say in that community there's over twenty thousand people wow amazing and so is it message boards mostly like what is the actual format or is it a secret it's a secret 
<laughs> You're smiling like the Cheshire Cat right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll have to wait for you to open it back up and maybe I'll slide right in. Oh, yeah. So you have a few other things on the site I find really interesting. You have a shop and in the shop you have things like, I love this, the crystal baller enamel pin. Yeah. <laughs> you have the black power tarot coloring book, the illest tarot, in addition to gemstones and incense and, and books. And I love that spirit of kind of like tongue-in-cheek irreverence. And yes. I'm curious if that's something that um, you wanted to make sure you were representing on the site and, and why you include that kind of, of uh, merchandise. I think it's just keeping it fun and playful. I don't feel that you have to be this uptight witch, you know. I think that it is fun to have the duality and the balance of being playful but also having these very real tools like our crystals that we offer are some of the best highest quality i only source um herbs that are organic they're handmade they're hand wrapped they are um i actually support a local tribe that's in southern california that does our our smudges um and all of our herbs that are sold on the site but anyway um with the black power tarot i love the artist um and i just my biggest focus too when we started doing the tarot decks on the site i like to make sure that i'm supporting other mystics and witches and artists that have really cool artwork that is not being sold in tons of other boutiques so I just I really like to look for unique decks that people can buy themselves or gift to their friends and just finding really cool and unique merchandise that isn't going to be mass produced or sold in every store yeah like like it's very indie it's very playful as you said it's also super intersectional like you have a lot of diverse um, contributors like uh, I touched on before your makers are often really diverse I mean the the fact that you have you had one article um, it, it was called like the melanin melanated tarot. oh the melanated tarot yes. that comes out and uh, this later in November I believe but the artist her name is Courtney Alexander and she is a young African-American woman and she created this beautiful beautiful deck and you can read her interview on our blog and she's just brilliant and I mean the imagery and the symbolism it's just it's really going to be impactful that's so awesome and it's so wonderful to see and it's so necessary I think that these different voices and faces are represented in this community because I know for a long time I was going to lots of occulty conferences and witch circles and what have you and I'm a white lady and I would see a lot of people who looked like me or a lot of content in the tarot decks or you know the books even who's on the cover of the books what does a witch look like according to a lot of the mass market paperback kind of spell books these days and I'm so excited to see all of these different diverse voices and faces being represented and I was curious first of all if you might talk about your experience in this community I mean you're a woman of color yes um, and your background if I'm not mistaken is you're black so I'm black and I'm Mexican mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering was that something you found 
like did you find that you were missing from these uh stories these witch stories oh yes i mean growing up as a child when you envision like fairies and witches you think of like whimsical white women (laughs) and it's like wait but where are the witches and the magical you know fairies and women that look like me because I know that it isn't just limited to Europe there absolutely has to be you know witches of color and so um I think that as I started really getting more in touch with my roots in my culture and Um, traditional magic and ancestry I think that that's where the magic begins where you start to look into the stories in um, the narratives of magic from other continents outside of Europe and you're like wow there are goddesses who are black women there are Aztec goddesses there are Mayan goddesses and there was magic in these places and they are witches you know and they're brujas you know so it's like you have so many witchy stories from around the world but there's just no representation or there hasn't been any um, representation because when most people again think of witchcraft you think of like Lord of the Rings and you think of I mean, it's it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And I love the imagery and Disney, all those things. But it's time to see more representation of witches and magic makers and magicians and to really get the full spectrum and to showcase, yes, we exist. We've always existed and we're here. Mm -hmm. And now we're coming out of the... I get the broom closet. Yeah. <laughs> We're coming out of the closet and, um, you know, putting it more mainstream. And I think, too, a lot of these traditions, um, it hasn't been okay for, you know, if you're black or if, you know, you're growing up in a Mexican household, you do, you, there is a little bit of secrecy. There's a level of um, respect and privacy that people have had for these types of traditions where you wouldn't just come out and say oh yeah i'm also i'm a witch it was Mm -hmm. just known Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like it's just it was just known yeah but now because we live in a society where it is acceptable to be open about your traditions and your spiritual practice it's more of an ancestral reverence Mm -hmm. now and speaking of which, I've read that your grandmother had a really big influence on you. Yes. And I'd, I'd love to hear about her. So both of my grandmothers. So one of my grandmothers is Mexican. The other is black and she's from the South. So I believe like with growing up, I would see so many of her practices but I never really thought of it as being like magical the way that as you know I'm explaining to you Mm -hmm. when I watched a movie as a kid you're seeing like the hocus pocus and the cauldrons it didn't look like that it was something that was um, very special and very sacred to her but I just thought she was being again like superstitious or I don't know it just it didn't seem to me like the type of magic that I would see on yeah, TV. Yeah, I'd love to conjure them into the room right now. So let's start with um, your Mexican grandmother. So yes. do you recall certain objects she would use or superstitions Oh, she I had? mean, going like, to like the Botanica, like in our neighborhood, <clears throat> you go to buy candles, you would buy 
herbs you would get oils i mean she would do something that's called olympia and olympia is like a cleansing with an egg and you have like i mean it's just all kinds of things where it's like prayers um i mean there's just so many things that Mm -hmm. i can think of in my childhood and stuff that she would say to me that i would just laugh and dismiss as a kid like oh my god like that's not real or you know that's She's so not kooky that like that's just yeah. old-fashioned but then I look at it and I'm like no that is real and it's very real and I think that once I became a mom and I had my own child I found myself really focused on the same types of practices mm. that my grandmothers did and mm-hmm. I'm like oh that real that makes sense to me now. Yeah, and I think that getting back into um, getting in touch with your family's um, spiritual practices, there's something very healing in that, and especially um, with being a woman of color, I think that Christianity played a huge part in the erasure of uh spiritual identity from african people and from mexican people mm. um and so and your grandma who is from this is or from, from she's the south away now okay yeah, she's, so what part of the country was so she grew state? up in texas and then she lived in new orleans mm. and we had family who lived in new orleans we had family from texas we had family from tennessee so really i have you know a lot my dad's family there's a lot of people from the south and in the south there's a lot of uh hoodoo and conjure traditions that really play such a huge and significant part of life for a lot of um, black people who mm-hmm. live there mm-hmm. and your grandma was doing and my grandmother yes yeah, so too. you would call it like root working mm-hmm. yes and um what that looked like to me on the outside is it was so discreet you know like she was never um overtly like oh yes i'm a witch let me show you you know she would just go on with her cleansings Mm -hmm. her floor washes and her florida water and her prayers and you know the glasses of water and all of these things in her little her mini altar and even utilizing uh the bible like the book of psalms like all of these things are utilized in Mm -hmm. these traditions and so i just thought it was normal i Mm -hmm. never thought of it as being anything other than my grandmother's spiritual traditions you grew up in la is that yes. right so then were you as a teenager kind of playing around and splashing around in yes these waters? and everything and yeah. i dabbled and dibbled and wanted to be in like all the like i want to wiccan and i'm going to the Hare krishna temple i'm going to the blah 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 you know i'm, yeah. I'm in every sticking my hand in every mystical and magical tradition that I can get in a book on. And at that time, you know, we didn't really have the internet. Okay, I'm aging myself. Um, <laughs> we didn't really sit on the internet to look for information. You went to the bookstore. Exactly. You went to the library. Exactly. Same for me. I'm 36. And it sounds so pat, but a lot of um, the, the places that I learned about this, I mean, sure, it was the library, but it was also like the mall at yes. Walden Books. At the bookstore. <laughs> right? you would sit in, yes, yeah. I would sit in the New Age yep. book section and I would just try to read every book on spells. And I'll never forget 
the first spell book that I bought was from a store called Contempo. <gasps> Contempo. What, it was. Contempo. It was at a New Age store. Or no, like... Contempo Casuals was like. Oh, I remember Contempo Casuals. Yes, it was in the mall, and they had a spell book in there, and it was called How to Turn Your Ex Boyfriend into a Toad. <laughs> And I thought it was the coolest book. I can't even, I don't remember who the author of that book was, but I have to find them. Like, that was the funniest thing. But their spells, they had a boyfriend to turn into a toad spell, and that was really intriguing to me. Did you try it? Um, I didn't have an ex, I didn't have a boyfriend. I was, like, 10. <laughs> okay. But that's when I was like, yeah, like, this is cool. And of course, you know, you're like, I can't wait to get one. I can't turn wait him into an amphibian. Okay. Honestly. So like my first spell actually was on a boy named Joey. Hi, Joey. Um, hey, I, Joey. Hey, Joey. We cut a piece of your hair to use in a love spell. Sorry about it. <laughs> did he know? No, he didn't know. He How was did in you a, get the hair? I asked him. Oh. Oh, okay. I but mean, he didn't know what it was for. You're he, just like, can I have some hair? And he's like, sure. Yeah, he was in high school and we were like maybe in like middle school. And wow, Joey, you were so trusting. He really was. But he had Liberty spikes. He had green hair. Like the Statue of the Liberty? The Statue of Liberty. He oh had Liberty God. spikes. So there you go. He was kind of like um, a justice warrior in his own way, <laughs> helping young feminist witches step into their power yes he was my first love spell Aww. it didn't work <laughs> well it's so true so many of us i think when we're playing around and just sort of experimenting in this world like of course you know often we come to it as adolescence and what do you want when you're an adolescent you want love or you know to really ace that test or you know all yeah. the things that seem so huge and monumental and there's such a big tradition of that I mean so much of magic I tend to believe these days that the the most effective forms of magic are the ones that are about serving something greater than yourself or trying to align yourself with spirit and make a difference in the world or do your art or get a little help. But, you know, we'd be dishonest if we didn't acknowledge that there's a big tradition of just like, hey, I want some money. Hey, I, I want to have sex with that awesome looking dude, you know, like that. That's part of it, too. Um, and some of us grow out of it and some of us don't. And there you have it. So, Brie, I want to get back to you're a teenager. You're growing up in L.A. Now you live in Seattle. Yes. You're a mom. Mm -hmm. What is the witch I don't know, scene, for lack of a better word, like in Seattle? And what is it like raising a child in Seattle um, with magic in his or her life? Oh, okay. So um, I guess the witch scene in Seattle, I mean, it's thriving. It's growing. Everyone, I mean, there really isn't a one-size-fits-all for the community of witches that are in Seattle, but the ones that I do know are very, very beautiful, positive, inspiring people to me, and they are creators, they're healers, they are doing community work, they're doing um, sliding scale uh, yoga classes, they're doing ritual, they're doing dream circles. I mean, there's just this collective of really amazing and inspiring artists and women that I feel it's just, it's growing. And 
I'm not sure if it's just specific to Seattle, but I do feel that just throughout, you know, Los Angeles, when I go back there, when I go back home, I see the influence of uh, modern witchcraft and it's becoming very prevalent in yeah, it's hap- certainly happening here in New in York, York yeah. especially in Brooklyn. And I mean, I was just in Minneapolis recently, and there's a cool witch scene there. I think it's happening in a lot of cities and kind of growing up in parallel with this fourth wave of feminism that we're in. And yeah, it's it's really heartening. But is Seattle, I, does it feel specific? Because you have so much nature around there, it too. Is, that- it's it's perfect i mean if you are into if you're a nature witch <laughs> if you i mean but all witches I, well i can't say all most witches enjoy being out in the elements and out in nature yeah, i know get hashtag not all witches wait not yeah, all witches okay be so careful no okay let's just let me rephrase it okay most, off the record most, most witches, witches. No, i think that's fair to say have a connection to nature have a connection to nature and just the cycles of life and i think that being in nature really does connect you to the cycles of the season to our bodies to all of those things and um i i tend to keep to myself a lot so i guess you would say i'm a solitary practitioner a solitary witch i a solitary witch with like 200,000 followers I know on right <laughs> is that but it's like it's so weird because I feel like I'm still very personal about my own private rituals like I don't post pictures of my personal altars and um I, I just like it that way I mm-hmm. like to have that part for myself where I have information I share and it's not anything that you know people couldn't go and find in a book but I like to share information that I know I feel comfortable and energetically responsible um, for sharing with 200,000 people Um, so I am very mindful about the information that I share um, on my platform and I just, you know, I like to keep some mystery to myself. I like to keep yeah. some of my personal magic. I think magic. we're all navigating that, like how much just in general to share of ourselves online versus not. But especially those of us who are in these communities, because mm-hmm. there is this aspect of like personalization and privacy and intimacy that is so important and frankly makes the work more effective and yet there's also something beautiful about sharing these images and these rituals and connecting to other people and maybe even inspiring some of them and letting them learn from you so yeah I think you're you're striking a really nice balance there getting back to Seattle and your um, life navigating kind of your, your private life versus your public life I am curious how you navigate this as a parent um, and and just in terms of your own kind of day-to-day life. You know, you you have a child yes. and I'm wondering how much are you um, sharing this side of your life as a mom and, and in the community of other parents perhaps where you live? It is a little bit difficult to navigate with other parents um, when they ask me what I do for a living. <laughs> Um, I don't tell them, oh, I have a professional witch business, an (laughs) online witch business. Um, 
No, I I usually tell them that I'm a small business owner and when they ask about it, that's when it just gives me a window to share with them and I usually do it in a manner where, you know, I ease them in talking about spirituality and meditation and mindfulness and then I tell them I'm a witch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for my son, he is very, um, he he doesn't really pay that much attention to what it is that I do. I think that he has a respect for um, my altars. He sees them in our house and he's just a very intuitive and very sweet child. So I think that um, he has a, a great understanding of how important my uh, rituals are for me. And even if he's just watching us, you know, watching me clean the house or you know, lighting sage or using Florida water for cleaning or doing floor washes. I mean, he sees it and I explain to him why I'm doing it because I know that once he's an adult, it would be really useful for him to have this type of information. And even before bedtime, um, I'll have him pull a tarot card before bed and we do like fun little messages where I ask him like what do you think this card symbolizes and I think that children have such a pure uh, connection to source that they just give it to you straight Mm -hmm. there is no fluff and they just tell you what they see and there's nothing holding them back they don't think too hard if it's the right answer or the wrong answer there's also such a lack of self-consciousness in a good way like um that's something I think about when I was a kid and doing all sorts of rituals and being in this state of imaginal play like I wasn't kind of embarrassed or thinking oh this looks weird or anything I was just a kid you know and so there's something so beautiful about you allowing him to just kind of access these images from that place where he he can just trust himself and go deep and, and not so edit himself right for men or in for I mean I guess I'm just assuming that he will identify as being a male in his adult life or in now but I feel that it is important it is my job as a mom as a witch as you know his guide or as you know a, a mentor to him in his life that uh, I want him to be in touch with his intuition. And I think so many men in our society are really removed from that part of Mm -hmm. themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, just for the record, there are so many people who identify as male who are gravitating towards these things too. And I know that often and I'm guilty of this myself, I I talk a lot about the goddess and about feminine divinity and all of this, Um, but that's for everybody. It's not just for women, even though it seems like a lot of female-identifying people are so hungry for it right now. Yes, and I think everyone should be hungry for finding the balance and the guidance in understanding that we're both we're divine feminine divine masculine energies and i think that there's been such a lack in western uh society and spirituality and i think that it's important for us now to go back to that space of cultivating both in our everyday life absolutely 
So Brie, if someone wants to go and learn more about you or more about the Hood Witch, where can they find you? You can follow me on Instagram at the Hood Witch. <laughs> and it's spelled just the at symbol, T-H-E, the Hood Witch. Hooray. And also our website, thehoodwitch.com. Such a great name. I love that. Well, Brie, thank you so much for being on The Witch Wave. It was such a delight to talk to you. I feel like I could have spoken with you for about five more hours, but out of respect for your time and life, I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor to be here in New York. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Brie Luna for swinging by my apartment and letting my two cats get their fur all over her beautiful black clothing. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Please, please drop me an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. That's witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. The Witch Wave was produced, recorded, and edited by me, Pam Grossman. And this episode was co-produced by Sonic Sorceress and overall show doula, Chiquita Pascal. Thanks, Chiquita. Our theme music is by Lycanthia. Special thanks go to Shannon Taggart, Michael Robinson, and Matt Freeman. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, witchwavepodcast.com that's witchwavepodcast.com please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us all the magical stars you can muster it really makes a difference and I'd be much obliged follow us on Twitter and Instagram at witchwavepod that's at witchwavepod and go on ahead and like us on Facebook thank you so much for listening Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.